Hi, this is Rick Gilson with Hit Pause with SAPDC. And today we're joined by David Sobleski, who, did I say that right, David? Yeah, David Sobleski. Sobleski. Very good. Okay, who uh, is going to spend a little bit of time today uh, speaking with us about the importance of play. And uh, David, can you tell us a little bit about your background in this work and why it's so important and why we uh, shouldn't lose sight of the importance of playtime for preschool, kindergarten, and dare I say, the rest of our lives. Yeah, well, I was thinking ba- about that. Uh, we had a little conversation today in the session, and one, one of the things, back in 1979 when I started, which goes back a week or two, <laughs> I, I recall Alberta being recognized as one of the leaders in early childhood education, and one of the things people would do is come from all over the world to see what we were doing. And I would say even back then, the focus was on m- developmentally appropriate practice and engaging students in the way they play. So I go back to those days, and most of my life in teaching has been spent in the early childhood years. I've um, worked mentoring teachers, so that gave me a different insight uh, as to um, how teachers are viewing the world. And when we started tying back to their early learning and and what really worked, we started working on things like becoming a better assessor, an observer, um, gaining and grading our understanding of almost being a, a child scientist in a sense and with young children we say if you ever get to the point of child whisperer then you've really made it <laughs> um, so did that and uh, served as an early years teaching consultant uh, for the last several years and in retirement have been working on uh, some resources in that uh, for various people and sharing your knowledge around the province and Done much a- much appreciated in that regard mm-hmm. uh, David why do you think parents and teachers need to know or perhaps be looking at supporting play facilitated learning well I have a fundamental belief and I believe it can be found in many many other sources that as human beings we're hardwired to learn and one of the first ways we learn uh, learn through play and that starts right from birth the first time somebody looks at us and there's a funny noise or that little upturn of the smile that is a play response and so it starts with those serve and return responses Mm -hmm. but eventually starts to go into broader experiences uh, and uh, that actually lay down the type of healthy, we say, brain architecture that allows children to, I say, before they hit the school or the graded curriculum, be in the best possible place to hit the graded curriculum. And so we want to develop healthy bodies and healthy minds. And we know that play is probably the hardwired natural vehicle to get to that point. Right. You know, I, I'm mindful and we're th- always thinking about how we can weave some resources that people could go to. Uh, I think we're both fans of the work of the Alberta Family Wellness Initiative. Totally. And, uh, you know, I, parents, if you're out there and you've got these, especially new parents, but it doesn't matter, all of us, uh, hit uh, YouTube and do a search for the Alberta Family Wellness Channel. And there's some great videos there on brain architecture, the whole process of serve and return and how we can learn. And I know we visited at lunchtime a little bit about a commercial that's on TV right now and certainly would encourage uh, viewers to check, uh, to just look at that a little closer. And it's the one where the adult boy has fallen down and uh, and uh, he, he smiles and he laughs and then it transitions all the way back to the first time he fell down as a baby and his mom's looking at him and she smiles and laughs and he smiles and laughs uh, 
What do, what do those things tell you about this whole process? Well, it tells you about that healthy brain architecture, what you're talking about. So there were those prior experiences learned long before school um, that actually equipped that human being to be resilient mm -hmm. and be able to adapt and cope with things that come along the way. And I think that actually does start with our play history that we develop in life. We know that healthy play histories actually lead to healthy human beings. And I think that's that's really evident in that video. And, and maybe uh, all of us could uh, stand to, you know, we want to pick up and, and help them with the boo-boo and all the rest of that, but doing mm -hmm. it with a bit of a smile and you'll be all right and that's okay. It might be a better way to go than some of the, uh, I don't know, cellophane. <laughs> I, I, I got to say one, thi one thing that I noticed working in Lethbridge that I really have to say is the work with Alberta Family Wellness and the work out of the mm -hmm. University of Lethbridge. There's some great stuff coming here. So you say brain architecture, you're talking about anything about developing that, that healthy human mind from the, from the young age. Um, it's had a tremendous impact here. Yeah. Uh, the teachers, that's a piece that they get right off the bat. So it makes the focus on how we help children through being nurturing caregivers and having positive learning experiences, largely through play. In, in my case, that's what I'm putting across. Um, we don't have to spend a lot of time with the convincing piece because they understand the importance of it. Absolutely, and again, the Alberta Family Wellness, the Palix Foundation, the work that they've done, it's not a paid advertising, they don't even, I yeah, don't say they even hear this, but that uh, online free course uh, with uh, just hours and hours of tremendous resources is fantastic. You know, I was pretty in interested and maybe even amazed to see that the United Nations declared the ability to play is a right for all children. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, and is there a Canadian equivalent to that? Or Well, I think we have to be reminded that we actually do have a play culture, a play philosophy as, as Canadians. And we often think of uh, maybe the German nature schools or the, uh, what's happening in, in Nordic countries. And their, um, we hear about their play learning with their preschool and early years as children develop. But we actually have statement that comes right from the ministers of education with, uh, you know, through CMEC, um, which, which says that we have a foundational belief in the benefits of play-based learning. And so I think we have to celebrate that not only celebrate it we have to bring it to the fore so that teachers and administrators realize how important this is and it is foundational to the work of, of, of um, working with young children awesome thanks david appreciate your thoughts on that um i have six children we have six children because we didn't want seven they're all pretty much growing up but i do have seven grandchildren and two of them are in grade one and and two of them are less than two years old uh, thinking of my daughters and thinking again of parents all around, how does play help in the development of executive skills? Well, <laughs> it's even broader than that. Yeah. I, th I, th I, th I think we have to say maybe go back to a time in our lives that we remember. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I asked teachers to do, and it, it was interesting to see what was happening, we had a picture of some five-year-olds looking at a snail crossing across a forest floor. Yeah. And all the sound was gone. We asked them to go back to that place in their life and find that warm, warm place. And we, we discovered quite a few things. And, and they, <laughs> that's part of that, that, that play history. So they realized that in that situation, just looking at that picture, what could have been happening? 
there could have been some ethical considerations. Do we step on the snail? Do we touch the snail? What do we do? Um, what is it? What do we, you know, uh, or imaginary play? Um, creating a, a path, where's the snail gonna go? So all those wonderings, all that talk focus, the, the vocabulary that comes from that, all the precursors to having, uh, I think, success in, in future years. But what was interesting in watching the teachers is they went, the room became very loud, and I asked at the end uh, if they were aware of how loud the room was. And they were lost in a space. But that's what play does. It takes you to a place where it's, because so it seems purposeless and it's voluntary that you actually go back to a warm spot, um, which is probably an indication that some very powerful learning has happened. So we start with that piece where we say, um, what has been learned? And we, uh, the teachers came with the idea the kids are probably learning a lot of resilience. They're learning how to be more mindful. Mm -hmm. um, they're learning a lot of strategies from each other, learning the social piece, uh, how to compromise in a play situation, how to work out uh, play scenarios. So it's quite broader, but it really comes down to, um, in addition to gaining all the physical benefits that you get naturally from play, there's a lot of social and emotional growth that comes from that, and that starts early. We do know that people without play histories can have real problems um, as they get older with even reading social cues yeah. and fitting in, in this world. It, very, very interesting, and, and it's caused me to ponder even as w you've been replying, uh, perhaps Grandpa me mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> when i go out for a walk with uh, some of my grandchildren and particularly i'm thinking of one granddaughter i need to make sure i put my agenda to the side i don't need to walk this far i just need to let her do the exploring that she loves to do and maybe i should just be enjoying observing that more instead of we got to get around the block now, I can relate to that i think uh, even though i know this stuff <laughs> when when i was when my kids are growing up i had to show an awful lot of restraint from time to time from saying too much, doing too much, and working to have myself being invited or drawn into the play. And, yeah. and that whole idea of responding to the child in a sense that says, I hear you, but not necessarily the telling, asking, going back and forth, making it really conversational, almost playful, playful banter is another way to think about yeah. it, is a way that we actually become players ourselves with the child, taking the child's lead. Fantastic. Uh, how can play facilitating learning uh, really help a preschool kindergarten student get ready for the what you call the graded curriculum of one two three and beyond so we were just a while ago we were talking about the executive functioning piece so mm -hmm. through play we know we develop executive functioning and we simply think of three words such as working memory the ability to be mindful to to draw on past experiences and make connections that's one thing that leads to executive functioning it can be even considered a part of executive functioning. Also the flexible thinking that comes from social play, the interaction back and forth, helps us get ready for school, but it's not totally a precursor. It's something that we use to, uh, along with uh, the ability to show self-control. Combining those three aspects of executive function helps us meet the graded curriculum, which is uh, by being able to do some simple things such as paying attention. Uh-huh. And most teachers say, yeah, that's there to some degree or not. Now there's a new focus, and we have to be able to pay attention. Some sort of uh, organizing and planning, r you know, relative to where you are in the, in the graded <laughs> curriculum. Uh, being able to initiate tasks and staying 
some perseverance, staying on within the task that is, is required. If you can do that, chances are you'll have a greater success with the, the, the curriculum as, uh, as it's stated. And an important piece, it helps us to regulate our emotions, to be able to not get too hot, not to get too high, not get too cold, and to always um, come back to the learning uh, when it's required. And the other, other piece is um, the, it allows us to self-monitor or keep track of what we're doing. If you can do those pieces, you're pretty, pretty much, I think that's what the graded curriculum requires yep. young children to do. But all the stuff that comes before that is learned through play sets the stage for being able to do that. So lots of play experiences. Um, foundational. Lots of, yeah, foundational. And also long blocks of uninterrupted uh, play time directed by the players, which means the children and uh, those involved. That's an interesting piece. Uh, long blocks. Your, what's your definition of long blocks of playtime? And I, I appreciate directed by the children. Yeah. They're they're in it, and we're yeah. passengers. Well, never like to be prescriptive. No. Okay, so it's Ball kind of funny park. what we talk about attention span for some <laughs> some reason. But kids left to their own devices, where they're 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 choosing um, the environment and and the and, and the play scenarios can be lost for as, as no different than when we were kids hours right. on a Saturday or at the lake or in the forest or whatever creating that um, so a long block within a school setting I would love to see in, in early years K classes a minimum and I'm not being prescriptive no. but I'm saying where kids can go at least 45 minutes and there's a reason for that how can you get to the point of really dealing, say, for example, with a social uh, conflict or something that arises out of play if you've only had 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, we leave too many loose ends and unsettled uh, things, things happening. Or how do you go deeper in your learning and say, now that I've made this connection through my play, I can now do this and I want to try that. So we need long blocks to actually, uh, I think the common term is, is, is deep learning. We want to get deeper in our learning and then start to, from that actually kids will start to direct their own learning. So it's a lot easier to co-create curriculum with children when they've actually had longer Absolutely. periods of time to do that. Uh, the, um, I don't know, the devil's advocate, the little piece I've got in my personal construct here I'm, mm -hmm. I'm thinking uh, um, short recesses short spells of time in any one activity and then we wonder oh this kid seems to have ADHD <laughs> or maybe the school day does you yeah. know yeah, no, <laughs> no seriously the contributing to it no but I was I was at one school it's kind of interesting is that we actually the principal's view is we were teaching kids to tune out mm -hmm. uh, with morning announcements and that yeah. And if they are important, we're going to make very few, but we'll make them at any time of the day. Because he also thought it was a, a life skill to know how to be distracted come back, and come to, back. To, absolutely. To, and that yeah. relates to what, what the world's like today. And if you look at kids with the way they use devices and other things, it's very easy to multitask and that sort of stuff. So they A, knew it was important. They knew that there was a follow-up where people would sort of... Uh, um, talk about what was said yeah. using the kids to direct the discussion yeah. and, and explain what are their re their roles and our roles so i just think that's an, a, good, a good example of how we can chop the day out and 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 tune out and and so i think if we think in creative ways we can restructure our days um one of the big questions that comes up all the time is where am i going to find the time for this uninterrupted play play yeah and um 
uh, there's, we, we had lots of explorations, there's lots of things, but who says we have to start the day inside? If, if you add up the number of minutes in a kindergarten class just getting dressed and undressed for a set recess, coming in, going out, it, I hate to know how many <laughs> minutes of the learning time that actually is. So I've been to many schools now where they start the first half hour out, to, out at least half hour, or they may make it a block a couple times a week till what would normally be the regular school's recess, and then they come in. Right. So... Um, that's that's yeah. an interesting piece. I'm mindful of a period in time when we uh, stopped having bells. I, I was actually in schools in Finland, mm. uh, visiting schools in Finland, and, and in the middle of the visit, I turned to one of our host principals and said, uh, uh, I haven't heard any bells. And she turned to me and she said, why would we need bells? The students know what time class starts. And I thought, wow. And we went back and for a period of time, we the bells were turned off at, at the school. It didn't mean that the students were less late or more late or any of the uh, of the above in that regard. It just that's what it was. But I had a teacher on staff who had graduated from that high school and had was now well into his career teaching at that high school. And the first couple of days there were no bells. He, he was like, "I wonder how much of my life has been spent." listening to bells at school collectively <laughs> collectively yeah. no kidding. and adding that up and that that was what you re reminded me of with that getting dressed getting undressed putting on all those boots uh, especially the little guys with snow pants and boots and gloves and hats and that's a 10 minute exercise well we think about it some school districts now i mean they're trying to make the dollar stretch so they may be looking as i've heard for um an extra 10 minutes a day can save you five days a year and you, you forget about that it does add up quickly and so <laughs> i'd hate to know how many minutes are <laughs> are spent getting dressed it's a life skill but i don't know if it's, it's a, <laughs> quite there <laughs> it's a little bit of a tangent we've gone off on yeah. here folks hope, we you're, hope you're still with us here yeah. so uh, as a old high school principal right. and uh, former assistant superintendent and things like that there, there are folks out in the world perhaps a bit more skeptical about uh, the importance and value of play uh, and how it can help students with social, emotional, and procedural rules and understanding those pieces. Why, what might you suggest that can help uh, school administrators uh, and system administrators, and even some parents, perhaps, understand the value of taking a play-based focus to, to the learning? Okay. So with the why play piece, which is, I think, where we're, we're, we're trying to get to, is, again, we see with the great work done down in this, this part of the world that, importantly, it's foundational to our work of helping develop healthy human beings and so shaping brain architecture in ways that we say is resilient and strong so that kids can face what, what's ahead of them in, in life as they especially take on the challenges beyond the early years. Um, simply put, Play makes us smarter. Oh, so <laughs> you know that. I should be a genius. I you know, we, we like to hear that because you know we we do all sorts of other things, uh, supports and uh, to. But it is uh, it is something that has just been showing it. it. It develops the type of brain structures where we're smarter through uh, uh, as we play. So connected to that, as we've already talked about, play improves our executive function. It puts us in situations that we have to learn the type of uh, skills 
connected to that were that stem from executive function because um, we're encountering different scenarios, either with our emotions or different social uh, si situations or, or even physical challenges. Absolutely. And from uh, lots of different directions. Yeah. Uh, so I can, I can go on and on about this, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, so that's the positive social uh, side that play, it not only facilitates, it's, it's, it's absolutely critical in how we develop that uh, from day one is uh, to become healthy human beings. And related to that, I think this is an important piece. Parents want to know, how is my kid going to get an advantage? You know, I want to do things. I, I've done a lot of reading lately, whereas now we're looking into how adaptable kids are going to be mm -hmm. within the workplace. And as I look at places in, in the workplace and uh, have some personal connections with my son, is that I, I, I'm seeing a different workplace out there. And I think the workplace is asking a lot more for innovation and creativity. And there is a body of, of research and evidence out there that suggests when you're allowed to play um, from an adult sense, which means be free to create and, and explore and be br br bring your own personal yeah, uh, yeah vision of what you're doing, take your own twist to it, we will have an organization that has innovation and creativity. And so if the real world is asking for that, we're saying which kids are at an advantage, um, that's something to consider. And I know that there even, uh, you can see various um, um, human resources sites and that. Yeah. They're doing different types of screening now, screenings now where it's not just all about the 4.0 average graduating because they have lots of those. But they want to know how adaptable and creative and functional you are in your thinking. That goes back to having a strong play history. And finally, and I think this is not to be underrated, I mean, because the research is, is conclusive on this, healthy bodies and minds. Healthy and bodies, so healthy minds. Healthy yeah. minds. And that starts with a positive play history. The, the more sound that is, the more likely it is to become a lifelong practice. And uh, if I've not had those opportunities you know some some youngster that has not had a, a good foundation of play opportunities is it ever too late or, or, or what can be done to no and that's the beautiful that's the beautiful part of the work that we we're seeing and, and we know it's we it's never too late but the farther you get away from the early child years <laughs> the harder the work is, Yeah. right? So we have two, two foundational pieces. And so the one foundational piece is, is a caring, nurturing, supportive adult, somewhere in the child's life. So we say caregiver. It could be a parent yeah. or others. When you have that in place, it, I think, maybe lowers the anxiety, creates the right type of brain chemistry for some healing in some cases and some new learnings to take place. The next piece there is uh, related to the nurturing are positive learning experiences. Yep. And the most, as we say, if we're hardwired to play, some of the most positive experiences can come through various types of play. Fantastic. So uh, someone could see, and we're not here to talk about uh, ACEs studies and trauma pieces, mm -hmm. which are covered somewhat in the wellness uh, brain architecture coursework, uh, trauma and its impact on the brain. But the biggest reverse piece for that is that nurturing caring uh relationship yeah i think that's a cornerstone of early childhood education we we always know that w the experiences we provide for children yep. combined with 
what we believe about children and how we approach and relate to children is the the cornerstone of 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 an early childhood program we and and actually it's funny how the two dovetail yeah oh absolutely thanks we've already talked about a couple of resources out there with the alberta family wellness site and and some of the research is there's are there any others David, you would point to that we would uh, subsequently put on our blog post that goes with this podcast uh, that folks could could or should check out. Uh, now, if we're, are we talking teachers or Te- teachers, parents? Okay. Uh, <sighs> the the Alberta Family Wellness is available to anyone. That is available to anyone. I, you know, uh, there is a there is a, and I'm talking for early childhood educators. Yeah. I'll, I'll go there. Go there. Sure. Um, sometimes we forget <laughs> to go right back to the program statement. Right. Uh, that's for kindergarten teachers because, and I'm encouraging pre-K teachers, early years teachers, to also know what's in there. There's some great language, but it starts with the guiding principles, which is the <laughs> we don't argue about principles. It is the research basis of what our our core work is. So I I, I would say <laughs> reviewing and going back to that, that that program statement, which clearly identifies domains of development, which is our core work. We're looking at the whole human being. So we sure. have curriculum that relates to that, the vehicle to get us that, but we're still w- helping th- that those domains develop so when they hit that graded curriculum, they're in the best place possible to have success within the graded curriculum and beyond. So there's that piece, and connected to that with our earlier people is flight, um, which we know uh, the framework uh, and the, the resource is simply right. referred to as flight. Um, it provides, I think... The disposition, the tone, the language uh, that really leads toward nurturing the child and providing those positive experiences. And I also encourage our kindergarten teachers to, to read that. So between the two documents, just a nice, I know people have seen them and that, but yep. return to it again. Sure. And that might be a great uh, table discussion. Well, absolutely. And the guiding principles uh, for the curriculum, for kindergarten curriculum, uh, are available to the public and to all teachers, uh, so to parents, on the new Learn Alberta website. Um, you don't have to have a login to see that curriculum and, and read those through if you want to. That's a, that's a resource accessible to And they're reflected everybody. when you go to the parent site for, you know, the kindergarten at a glance or, well, you know. Exactly. Yeah, so, right. So, so you'll see that there. But it, it actually helps explain some of what the teacher's really up to yep. uh, when they're working with young children before grade one. Perfect. That's fantastic. Last question as a fan of lifelong learning, is there anything that you've come across been reading on your own, related or otherwise, that you'd say, hey folks, uh, this was a pretty good book, Uh, take a look at this, or other resource? Well, you know... (laughs) And I'm gonna put you on the spot on that. No, this is on the spot, but this is kind of interesting. I was very fortunate to be mentored by, I think, one of the truly great, and I was very fortunate, educators of all time with literacy and with uh, early childhood education and it was uh, uh, Bill Martin Jr. So he's probably known for writing Chicka Chicka Boom Boom and Bill Martin Jr. and uh, is his name and Chicka Chicka Boom Boom Brown Bear we grew up with those sorts of books okay but there's so many others too and um, what makes him I think somebody who should be revisited and recognized is he really saw literacy and childhood through the eyes of a child. So I've gone back recently 
and I've checked my notes, so, so not so much because I attended many workshops over the years. I was able to work with them for about 12 years. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, it's really, I think he's somebody that um, celebrates the child. And, and, and I guess the key messages I have, so I go back, just look at the literature, and I, I'm, I'm asking and encouraging teachers to develop their own literature pieces where they can... Um, share and celebrate the power of well-constructed language uh, in, uh, with all children we teach and bring that joy to children. So it's not necessarily a book I'm reading, but it's actually a return to some reading that I've been doing and, and checking over notes. Hey, that is exactly the purpose of that question, and okay. thank you very much for sharing that, uh, David, and very much appreciate uh, the time. Is there anything that I didn't ask you wish I would have or any concluding comment no you'd no like to after, make? after two days two two five hour days I, i'm starting to even forget what i was talking about so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we're, well we're that's that just uh, both of us because uh, being a little bit further down the, the line here and uh, david's first comment to me this morning when we met is hey nice haircut we're we're two men who could uh, reflect a lot of sunlight on others off our uh, less than uh, well follically challenged heads (laughs) that's exactly true (laughs) thanks very much for this time and uh, thanks folks for tuning in to another episode of hit pause with sapdc thank you